So as we have journeyed through the book of Acts, we've seen how empowered by the Holy Spirit, the early, ch- the early church was birthed into unity and love of God and neighbor. And that over and over again, God is showing up and, and pushing God's people and God's church to trust and obey in God and God's will. And, and hopefully throughout this journey, um, you've been challenged. We've been challenged to and led to ask the question, where is God calling me? Where is God calling us? Where is God calling the church to go? And today as we look at Acts chapter 10, and we are going to kind of look at the whole chapter and jump around a little bit, we, we hear a tale of two visions, but they point to one truth. And we start in verse 1 of Acts chapter 10, and it says, At Caesarea there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment, and he and all his family were devout, God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need. He prayed to God regularly. One day at about three in the afternoon, he had a vision, and he distinctly saw an angel of God who came to him and said, Cornelius. And he, said, and he goes on and he says, Send men to Joppa to bring back a man named Simon, who is called Peter. He is staying with Simon the Tanner, whose house is by the sea. And when the angels who spoke to him had gone, Cornelius called two of his servants and a devout soldier, who was one of the attendants. And he told them everything that happened, and he sent them to Joppa. So I just want to pause right there. And, and Cornelius, by all accounts of this story, seems like a pretty good guy. I mean, he fears God. He's hospitable. He's helping the poor, giving to those in need. He's praying. But, but to the Jewish ears, this would have been something that would have almost made them go, that's not even true. Cornelius was a Roman officer. In Rome and Israel, they just don't get along. Rome has been the tyrant of Israel and has had Israel under their thumb for years and generations. And this would cause this thought of Cornelius to make the Jewish people laugh. It would challenge their worldview. It would challenge everything that they thought they knew about the Romans, and especially the Roman centurions. Which raises the question, how often does our worldview keep us from experiencing the new world that God is calling us to? How often do we go, this is just how it is. These people are like that. This is how they act. This is what they do. This is who they are. And therefore, we're unable to experience God. Because we preconceive that someone is going to act or interact in a certain manner. But but Cornelius uh, sends the people to Joppa, and the story continues in verse 9, where it says that about noon the following day, this is Peter's vision, it says that as they were on their journey and approaching the city, Peter, he went up to the roof to pray. And he became hungry, and he wanted something to eat. And while the meal was being prepared, he fell into a sleep, into a trance, and he saw heaven open and something like a sh- large sheet being let down to earth, by its four corners, and in it contained all kinds of four-footed animals and all the reptiles and birds. And a voice said, Get up, Peter. Kill. Eat. Surely not, Lord, Peter replied. I have never eaten anything impure or unclean. And the voice spoke to him a second time and said, Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. 
And this happened three times, and immediately the sheet was taken back into heaven. And while Peter was wondering what all of this meant, the men sent by Cornelius found out where Simon's house was, stopped at the gate. They called out asking if Simon, who was known as Peter, was staying there. So here we have Peter a little bit perplexed. He's literally had this vision, and he... he, thinks that it is the most straightforward test that God has ever given him because Jewish law would say, you don't eat any of that. It's unclean. It's unpure. So he's like, oh God, I would not, I will never do that. That's out of bounds. Peter's religious ethic was holding him back from God's purpose. He, he was going, I'm following all the rules. I, I, I'm doing everything right. Which what we hear in this text is God goes, don't say anything that I have created to be unpure. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This is a warning that we don't become so caught up in the following of the rules and regulations, the guidelines and the code, that we miss the purpose of God. The purpose that God is calling us to and unfolding before us. God is seeking relationship over religion. And what I mean by that is is man-made religion where we create the rules and the regulations, the guidelines of what you must do and not do. But relations, that is man-made. But God is, has designed us for relationship with one another and with God. Religion can devolve into working our way into the kingdom, but what Jesus is seeking for us and desires for us as followers is for the kingdom to work its way into us. And for the kingdom to work its way into us, sometimes we need to be stretched because the kingdom is greater than we can even imagine. And this is where Peter finds himself. He thinks he knows it all. He thinks he understands everything that's happening. He understands the rules and the regulations. And he says, that's impure. And God says, don't. Just trust my call. Trust what I'm asking for you to do. And Peter is being stretched even beyond his own understanding of his neighbor. Because in verse 27, where we're going to pick up, it says, While talking with the men that Cornelius had sent, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. And he said to them, You are well aware that this is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit with a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. So when I was sent... For I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you, why you sent for me? Uh, while Peter may understand and is starting to grasp what God is trying to show him, he's definitely being pushed beyond his comfort zone. As, as is evident with this introduction that he makes to these people, it's almost like he walks into the room and says, you know I don't want to be around you people, that, uh, that y'all are unclean and I don't associate with, your, with people like you. But you know what, God, God has shown me that you're not all that bad. It's kind of a terrible way to word this. But what we see in Acts chapter 10 is that God is breaking down the walls of, our, of Peter's rules and of his worldview. That, that the worldview and the rules even of his religion have said, we don't associate with those people. Separate ourselves from them. And God is going, your worldview has made, your, the rules have made your worldview so small that, that you're missing the point. 
And what we see Peter doing is though it's an awkward one, it's a step forward in how he views one another and how he views his neighbor and how he views God. And we're called to make this same step, to tear down the walls that we have put up due to our own worldview and our own understanding so that we can go from divided and scattered to one humanity, which is the desire of God. Removing categories and hierarchies as we seek unity and community. And these verses show us that, that Peter doesn't get it, but he's willing to engage with and trust the Spirit. Which raises the question, are you willing to engage and follow the Holy Spirit even when you don't understand? Even when God says, go to those people. Even when God says, love this, love or do that. And you don't understand where it is that God is calling you to go. Are you willing to trust the Spirit? Because before God works through you to change the world, He may need to do some work in you to change you and your worldview. As God is inviting us into a new world and a new creation, He needs to make us new before we can engage. And so, in verse 34, uh, Peter begins to speak, and he says, I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears Him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout the providence of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Peter says, I now realize that God is Lord of all. And this is a shift in how Peter views the world and how Peter understands God. Peter has, has seen over time, then since in his ministry, the resurrection and the ascension. He's experienced Pentecost, and, and he's even been pastoring for about 7 to 12 years. But God opens up and reveals to him that his worldview and his theology for so long have been too small. God uses this imperfect person, and God does this over and over in Scripture, where God uses imperfect people to carry out God's perfect plan. And But even then, God says, Peter, I need to open your mind. Peter's willingness to grow and leave behind that which was broken shows his faithfulness. And he's, he's willing to go, you know, I thought that was right. But it ended up being wrong, and so I'm willing to change course. It's that willingness that even in those things that he is devoted to, that if the Spirit says no. But for this to happen, we must be willing to engage. So you see, Peter had experienced all of that stuff with God. He had experienced the, the crucifixion, the resurrection, the ascension, and Pentecost. And he still got it wrong. Which should point us to a, a reality that we don't have it all figured out either. Because we're just finite people trying to grasp an infinite God. And how arrogant would it be if we claimed that we fully understand all that God is and all that God has planned and all that God has in store. So this should challenge us to open our hearts and our minds to the Spirit and to authentically listen to God and to the other. 
Because, see, so often what happens is we just shut ourselves off and go, I've got it all figured out. I don't need to listen to anything that's different than what I think. But if you want to see growth around you, it must begin within. Many of us believe that we have this mature faith simply because we've been quote-unquote Christians for years. But our faith has not grown any deeper or past the surface level since the first day that we chose to follow God. We've been doing this for 10, 20, 50 years, but our faith is still that of a one-year-old in maturity. Because we still have not grown in our relationship with God. We said, this is what I believe, and don't tell me anything else. John Wesley is quoted as saying, when I was young, I was sure of everything. In a few years, having been mistaken a thousand times, I was not half sure of most things as I was before. But at the present, I am hardly sure of anything but of what God has revealed to me. This is the mark of a mature faith. One that, that goes from, I, I know what I know, and I, I know it because I've been told, and I've thought it for years, to one that says, I don't know anything except for what it is that God has revealed to me because I've engaged in relationship. I've had the hard conversations. I've listened and been willing to shift and change. I've heard where God is calling and what God is showing me. Not what the world says is how it should be, but I've listened for that still, small voice of God. This is what we're called to, is we're called to have the wisdom to say, you know, I don't know it all, but I know what I don't know. Spiritual maturity, we talked about that a little bit earlier, where spiritual maturity, many of us have this one-year-old spiritual maturity where we kind of accepted faith, and then we haven't grown any deeper in our faith But spiritual maturity is one that's willing to be stretched. Being stretched beyond who we are and what we think, or even what we think we know. It's one that says, God, I want to see what you're doing. I want want to experience this new world and this new kingdom that you're making and God, I know in order for that for me to experience the new world and the new kingdom and the new humanity and to experience the one body of Christ that you desire so deeply for your people to be, which is all of your creation, God, I know that I may need to shift. I may need to be stretched. I may need for my worldview and my understanding of how things are to be ch- stretched. Because, God, you are greater than even I can fathom. So where is God stretching you? Where is God pulling you? Where is God challenging you? My hope and my prayer is that we can become a people that are stretched by God. So, God, our prayer this day is give us stretch marks. Amen. Amen.